Section 16 of the Journals of Robert Falcon Scott Volume 1 by Robert Falcon Scott This is a LibriVox recording. Section 16 Chapter 7 At Discovery Hut Part 2 Friday, March the 31st I studied the wind blowing along the ridge yesterday, and came to the conclusion that a comparatively thin shaft of air was moving along the ridge from Erebus. On either side of the ridge it seemed to pour down from the ridge itself. There was practically no wind on the sea ice off Pram Point, and to the westward of Hut Point the frost smoke was drifting to the northwest. The temperature range is about zero. It seems to be almost certain that the perpetual wind is due to the open winter. Meanwhile the sea refuses to freeze over. Wright pointed out the very critical point which zero temperature represents in the freezing of salt water, being the freezing temperature of concentrated brine. A very few degrees above or below zero would make all the difference to the rate of increase of the ice thickness. Yesterday the ice was eight inches in places east of Cape Armitage, and six inches in our bay. It was said to be fast to the south of the glacier tongue well beyond Turtleback Island, and to the north out of the islands except for a strip of water immediately north of the tongue. We are good for another week in pretty well every commodity, and shall then have to reduce luxuries. But we have plenty of seal-meat, blubber and biscuit, and can therefore remain for a much longer period, if needs be. Meanwhile the days are growing shorter, and the weather colder. Saturday, April the 1st. The wind yesterday was blowing across the ridge from the top down to the sea to the west, very little wind on the eastern slopes, and practically none at Pram Point. A seal came up in our bay and was killed. Taylor found a number of fish frozen into the sea ice. He says there are several in a small area. The pressure ridges in Pram Point Bay are estimated by Wright to have set up about three feet. This ice has been in about ten days. It is now safe to work pretty well anywhere south of Hut Point. Went to Third Crater, next Castle Rock, yesterday. The ice seems to be holding in the near bay from a point near Halton Rocks to Glacier. Also in the whole of the North Bay, except for a tongue of open water immediately north of the glacier. The wind is the same today as yesterday, and the open water apparently not reduced by a square yard. I'm feeling impatient. Sunday, April the 2nd, A.M. Went round Cape Armitage to Pram Point on sea ice for the first time yesterday afternoon. Ice solid everywhere except off the Cape, where there are numerous open pools. Can only imagine layers of comparatively warm water brought to the surface by shallows. The ice between the pools is fairly shallow. One emperor killed off the Cape. Several skewers seen. Three seals up in our bay. Several off Pram Point in the shelter of Horseshoe Bay. A great many fish on sea ice, mostly small, but a second species five or six inches long. Imagine they are chased by seals and caught in brashy ice, where they are unable to escape. Came back over hill. Glorious sunset. Brilliant crimson clouds in west. Returned to find wind dropping, the first time for three days. It turned to north in the evening. Splendid aurora in the night. A bright band of light from south-south-west to east-north-east, passing within ten degrees of the zenith, with two waving spirals at the summit. This morning sea to north covered with ice. 
Minimum temperature for night, minus five degrees. But I think most of the ice was brought in by the wind. Things look more hopeful. Ice now continuous to Cape Evans, but very thin as far as Glacier Tongue. Three or four days of calm or light winds should make everything firm. Wednesday, April the 5th, a.m. The east wind has continued with a short break on Sunday for five days, increasing in violence and gradually becoming colder and more charged with snow until yesterday, when we had a thick overcast day with falling and driving snow and temperature down to minus 11 degrees. Went beyond Castle Rock on Sunday and Monday mornings with Griffith Taylor. Think the wind fairly local and that the strait has frozen over to the north, as streams of drift snow and ice crystals off the cliffs were building up the ice sheet towards the wind. Monday we could see the approaching white sheet. Yesterday it was visibly closer to land, though the wind had not decreased. Walking was little pleasure on either day. Yesterday climbed about hills to see all possible. No one else left the hut. In the evening the wind fell and freezing continued during night. Minimum minus seventeen degrees. This morning there is ice everywhere. I cannot help thinking it has come to stay. In Arrival Bay it is six to seven inches thick, but the new pools beyond have only one inch of the regular elastic sludgy new ice. The sky cleared last night, and this morning we have sunshine for the first time for many days. If this weather holds for a day, we shall be all right. We are getting towards the end of our luxuries, so that it is quite time we made a move. We are very near the end of the sugar. The skewers seem to have gone. The last was seen on Sunday. These birds were very shy towards the end of their stay, also very dark in plumage. They did not seem hungry, and yet it must have been difficult for them to get food. The seals are coming up in our bay, five last night. Luckily the dogs have not yet discovered them, or the fact that the sea ice will bear them. Had an interesting talk with Taylor on agglomerate and basaltic dikes off Castle Rock. The perfection of the small cone craters below Castle Rock seem to support the theory we have come to, that there have been volcanic disturbances since the recession of the greater ice sheet. It is a great thing having right to fog out the ice problems, and he has had a good opportunity of observing many interesting things here. He is keeping notes of ice changes and a keen eye on the ice phenomena. We have many discussions. Yesterday Wilson prepared a fry of seal meat with penguin blubber, it had a flavour like cod liver oil, and was not much appreciated. Some ate their share, and I think all would have done so if we had had sledging appetites. Shades of discovery days. This emperor weighed anything from eighty-eight to ninety-six pounds, and therefore approximated to or exceeded the record. The dogs are doing pretty well, with one or two exceptions. Deke is the worst, but I begin to think all will pull through. Thursday, April the 6th, a.m. The weather continued fine and clear yesterday, one of the very few fine days we have had since our arrival at the hut. The sun shone continuously from early morning till it set behind the northern hills about 5 p.m. The sea froze completely, but with only a thin sheet to the north. A fairly strong northerly wind sprang up, causing this thin ice to override and to leave several open leads near the land. In the forenoon I went to the edge of the new ice with Wright. It looked at the limit of safety, and we did not venture far. 
The overriding is interesting. The edge of one sheet splits as it rises and slides over the other sheet in long tongues which creep onward impressively. Whilst motion lasts, there is continuous music, a medley of high-pitched but tuneful notes. One might imagine small birds chirping in a wood. The ice sings, we say. P.M. In the afternoon went nearly two miles to the north over the young ice, found it about three and a half inches thick. At supper arranged programme for shift to Cape Evans. Men to go on Saturday, dogs Sunday, ponies Monday, all subject to maintenance of good weather, of course. Friday, April the 7th, went north over ice with Atkinson, Bowers, Taylor, Cherry Garrard. Found the thickness nearly five inches everywhere, except in open water leads, which remain open in many places. As we got away from the land, we got on an interesting surface of small pancakes, much capped and pressed up, a sort of mosaic. This is the ice which was built up from the lee side of the strait, spreading across to windward against the strong winds of Monday and Tuesday. Another point of interest was the manner in which the overriding ice sheets had scraped the underflows. Taylor fell in when rather foolishly trying to cross a thinly covered lead. He had a very scared face for a moment or two, whilst we hurried to the rescue, but hauled himself out with his ice-axe, without our help, and walked back with Cherry. The remainder of us went on till abreast of the sulphur cones under Castle Rock. Then we made for the shore, and with a little mutual help, climbed the cliff and returned by land. As far as one can see, all should be well for our return to-morrow. But the sky is clouding to-night, and a change of weather seems imminent. Three successive fine days seem near the limit in this region. We have picked up quite a number of fish frozen in the ice, the larger ones about the size of a herring, and the smaller of a minnow. We imagined both had been driven into the slushy ice by seals, but to-day Gran found a large fish frozen in the act of swallowing a small one. It looks as though both small and large are caught when one is chasing the other. We have achieved such great comfort here that one is half sorry to leave. It is a fine healthy existence, with many hours spent in the open, and generally some interesting object for our walks abroad. The hill-climbing gives excellent exercise, and we shall miss much of it at Cape Evans. But I am anxious to get back and see that all is well at the latter, as for a long time I have been wondering how our beach has withstood the shocks of northerly winds. The thought that the hut may have been damaged by the sea in one of the heavy storms will not be banished. A SKETCH OF THE LIFE AT HUT POINT We gather around the fire, seated on packing-cases, to receive them with a hunk of butter and a steaming pannikin of tea, and life is well worth living. After lunch we are out and about again. There is little to tempt a long stay indoors, and exercise keeps us all the fitter. The falling light and approach of supper drives us home again with good appetites about five or six o'clock, and then the cooks rival one another in preparing succulent dishes of fried seal-liver. A single dish may not seem to offer much opportunity of variation, but a lot can be done with a little flour, a handful of raisins, a spoonful of curry-powder, or the addition of a little boiled pea-meal. Be this as it may, we never tire of our dish, and exclamations of satisfaction can be heard every night, or nearly every night. For two nights ago, April the 4th, Wilson, was proved a genius in the invention of plats, almost ruined his reputation. He proposed to fry the seal-liver in penguin blubber, 
suggesting that the latter could be freed from all rankness. The blubber was obtained and rendered down with great care. The result appeared as delightfully pure fat, free from smell. But appearances were deceptive. The fry proved redolent of penguin, a concentrated essence of that peculiar flavour which faintly lingers in the meat and should not be emphasised. Three heroes got through their pannikins, but the rest of us decided to be contented with cocoa and biscuit, after tasting the first mouthful. After supper we have an hour or so of smoking and conversation, a cheering, pleasant hour, in which reminiscences are exchanged by a company which has very literally had worldwide experience. There is scarcely a country under the sun which one or another of us has not travelled in. So diverse are our origins and occupations. An hour or so after supper we tail off one by one, spread out our sleeping bags, take off our shoes and creep into comfort. For our reindeer bags are really warm and comfortable now that they have had a chance of drying, and the hut retains some of the heat generated in it. Thanks to the success of the blubber lamps and to a fair supply of candles, we can muster ample light to read for another hour or two, and so tucked up in our furs we study the social and political questions of the past decade. We muster no less than sixteen. Seven of us pretty well cover the floor of one wing of the L-shaped enclosure, four sleep in the other wing, which also holds the store, whilst the remaining five occupy the annex, and affect to find the colder temperature more salubrious. Everyone can manage eight or nine hours' sleep without a break, and not a few would have little difficulty in sleeping the clock round, which goes to show that our extremely simple life is an exceedingly healthy one though with faces and hands blackened with smoke, appearances might not lead an outsider to suppose it. Sunday, April the ninth, A.M. On Friday night it grew overcast, and the wind went to the south. During the whole of yesterday and last night it blew a moderate blizzard, the temperature at highest plus five degrees, a relatively small amount of drift. On Friday night the ice in the strait went out from a line meeting the shore three-quarters of a mile north of Hut Point. A crack off Hut Point, and curving to north-west, opened to about fifteen or twenty feet. The opening continued on the north side of the point. It is strange that the ice thus opened should have remained. Ice cleared out to the north directly wind commenced. It didn't wait a single instant, showing that our journey over it earlier in the day was a very risky proceeding. The uncertainty of these conditions is beyond words, but there shall be no more of this foolish venturing on young ice. This decision seems to put off the return of the ponies to a comparatively late date. Yesterday went to the second crater, Arrival Heights, hoping to see the condition of the northerly bays, but could see little or nothing owing to drift. A white line dimly seen on the horizon seemed to indicate that the ice drifted out has not gone far. Some skewers were seen yesterday, a very late date. The seals disinclined to come on the ice. One can be seen at Cape Armitage this morning, but it is two or three days since there was one up in our bay. It will certainly be some time before the ponies can be got back. Monday, April the 10th, p.m. Intended to make for Cape Evans this morning. Called hands early, but when we were ready for departure after breakfast, the sky became more of a cast and snow began to fall. It continued off and on all day, only clearing as the sun set. It would have been the worst condition possible for our attempt, as we could not have been more than a hundred yards. 
conditions look very unfavourable for the continued freezing of the strait. Thursday, April the 13th. Started from Hut Point, 9am Tuesday. Party consisted of Self, Bowers, Petty Officer Evans, Taylor, one tent, Evans, Gran, Crean, Debenham, and Wright, second tent. Left Wilson in charge of Hut Point with Mears, Ford, Kean, Oates, Atkinson, and Cherry Garrard. All gave us a pull up the ski slope. It has become a point of honour to take this slope without a breather. I find such an effort trying in the early morning, but had to go through with it. Weather fine. We marched past Castle Point, east of it. The snow was soft on the slopes, showing the shelter afforded. Continued to traverse the ridge for the first time. Found quite good surface, much windswept. Passed both cones on the ridge on the west side. Caught a glimpse of fast ice in the bays, either side of glacier, as expected but in the near bay its extent was very small. Evidently we should have to go well along the ridge before descending, and then the problem would be how to get down over the cliffs. On to Hulton Rocks, seven and a half miles from the start. Here it was very icy and wind-swept, inhospitable. The wind got up, and light became bad, just at the critical moment. So we camped and had some tea at two p.m. A clearance half an hour later allowed us to see a possible descent to the ice-cliffs, but between Halton Rocks and Erebus all the slope was much cracked and crevassed. We chose a clear track to the edge of the cliffs, but could find no low place in these, the lowest part being twenty-four feet, sheer drop. Arriving here the wind increased, the snow drifted off the ridge. We had to decide quickly. I got myself to the edge and made standing places to work the rope, dug away at the cornice, well situated for such work in harness, got three people lowered by the alpine rope, Evans, Bowers, and Taylor, then sent down the sledges, which went down in fine style, fully packed, then the remainder of the party. For the last three, drove a stake hard down in the snow, and used the rope round it, the men being lowered by people below. Came down last myself. Quite a neat and speedy bit of work, and all done in twenty minutes without serious frostbite. Quite pleased with the result. We found pulling to Glacier Tongue very heavy over the surface of ice covered with salt crystals, and reached Glacier Tongue about 5.30. Found a low place, and got the sledges up the six-foot wall pretty easily. Stiff incline, but easy pulling on hard surface. The light was failing, and the surface criss-crossed with innumerable cracks. Several of us fell in these with risk of strain, but the north side was well snow-covered and easy, with a good valley leading to a low ice-cliff. Here a broken piece afforded easy descent. I decided to push on for Cape Evans, so camped for tea at six. At six-thirty found darkness suddenly arrived. It was very difficult to see anything. We got down on the sea ice, very heavy pulling, but plodded on for some hours. At ten arrived close under Little Razorback Island, and not being able to see anything ahead, decided to camp and got to sleep at eleven-thirty in no very comfortable circumstances. The wind commenced to rise during night. We found a roaring blizzard in the morning. We had many alarms for the safety of the ice on which the camp was pitched. Bowers and Taylor climbed the island, reported wind terrific on the summit, sweeping on either side, but comparatively calm immediately to windward and to leeward. Waited all day in hopes of a lull. At three I went round the island myself with Bowers, and found a little ice platform close under the weather side, Resolved to shift camp here. 
It took two very cold hours, but we gained great shelter, the cliffs rising almost sheer from the tents. Only now and again a whirling wind current eddied down on the tents, which were well secured, but the noise of the wind sweeping over the rocky ridge above our heads was deafening. We could scarcely hear ourselves speak. Settled down for our second night with little comfort, and slept better, knowing we could not be swept out to sea, but provisions were left only for one more meal. During the night the wind moderated, and we could just see outline of land. I roused the party at seven a.m., and we were soon under way, with a desperately cold and stiff breeze and frozen clothes. It was very heavy pulling, but the distance only two miles. Arrived off the point about ten, and found sea ice continued around it. It was a great relief to see the hut on rounding it, and to hear that all was well. Another pony, Hackenschmidt, and one dog reported dead, but this certainly is not worse than expected. All the other animals are in good form. Delighted with everything I see in the hut. Simpson has done wonders. But indeed so is everyone else, and I must leave description to a future occasion. Friday, April fourteenth, Good Friday. Peaceful day. Wind continued twenty to thirty miles per hour. Had divine service. Saturday, April the fifteenth. Weather continued thoroughly bad. Wind blowing from thirty to forty miles an hour all day. Drift bad, and to-night snow falling. I am waiting to get back to Hut Point with relief stores. To-night sent up signal light to inform them there of our safe arrival. An answering flare was shown. Sunday, April the 16th. Same wind as yesterday, up to six o'clock, when it fell calm with gusts from the north. Have exercised the ponies to-day, and got my first good look at them. I scarcely like to express the mixed feelings with which I am able to regard this remnant. Freezing of Bays, Cape Evans March the 15th, General Young Ice formed. March the 19th, Bay cleared, except Strip, inside Inaccessible and Razorback Islands, to Corner Turk's Head. March the 20th, everything cleared. March the 25th, sea froze over inside islands for good. March the 28th, sea frozen as far as seen. March the 30th, remained only inside islands. April the 1st, limit Cape to Ireland. April the 6th, present limit, freezing in Strait and in North Bay. April the 9th, Strait cleared except former limit, and some ice in North Bay likely to remain. End of chapter 7, part 2